It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Miami Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel and general manager Chris Greer met with the South Florida media yesterday for their end-of-season press availability. They shared quite a bit in perspective to the 2023 season and the outlook for 2024. That today on Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of Locked On NFL Scouting. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Tip of the cap to our everydayers, because it is your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it here on the Locked On Network. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And we are working our way through this week, some of the debrief and the cool down and the, the climbing out of the weeds for this Miami Dolphins football team and franchise that, uh, of course, um, took you on a memorable trip this season, but one that left you wanting more. And uh, we had a chance to hear yesterday from Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer uh, as they spoke with the South Florida media. And it was one of the more extensive press conferences of the year. It's one of those ones. It's about 20 minute press conference. I had a chance to listen through to the whole thing. And I had some themes that I wanted to talk about uh, as far as kind of just setting the table, some good perspective on what we should expect as fans of the team. So let's dive right in. Uh, The first thing that Mike McDaniel was asked about was Christian Wilkins and Connor Williams. Uh, These are obviously two quality starter plus players for the Dolphins roster. And they're both also expiring contracts. They they play uh, the area of the field for Miami that that I think was the one that betrayed them, at least offensively, down the stretch and dictating terms at the line of scrimmage. And Christian Wilkins obviously uh, had himself a very strong season and, and illustrated his value as a three-down player at the NFL level. My, uh, Chris Greer was asked, is it a priority to keep both of those players? And Chris Greer gave you the... I don't say politically correct, but he gave you the GM speak answer, which isn't a surprise. Uh, but as you work your way through this press conference, I do think there were some things you could maybe read between the, the lines on a little bit. He, he was said about both players, they've earned the right to be free agents. Christian and I actually had a really good conversation today. I was very happy for him. He bet on himself after a summer of negotiations where we made a couple offers. And one we felt very good about was fair. And he and his represent, representation said as such, but we couldn't close the gap at the end. So he bet on himself and it paid off for him. I'm very happy for him. So we'll stay in communication and see where this ends up. But he's earned the right to be a free agent. Again, I'm happy for him. We drafted him here, developed him here, and he's the type of person we're looking for. So we'll see what happens. Uh, public posturing, maybe to some degree, but at the same time, it it does feel like 
Miami is not going to bend over backwards and completely acquiesce to every request that Christian Wilkins has. Now, I think his market, and especially with the production that he put on the field this year, with nearly double-digit sacks, probably justifies him getting into the ballpark of dollars where he wants to be. I think Miami, I think common sense will probably prevail here. Um, and as far as Connor Williams, uh, Mike McDaniel said, um, or, or Chris Greer was asked about the offensive line play seemingly not being as effective once he went down against Tennessee. Greer pointed to some success that they had running the ball against Baltimore and Buffalo. Uh, shouted out Lee Meikenberg coming in and battling through his injury, his calf injury and playing. Uh, but he did say Connor was playing some good football for us and the leadership he provided. Unfortunately, football injuries happen. He's been great communicating with Mike McDaniel through us here at the end of the season. Again, we'll stay in touch with him and see what happens. You do have a numbers crunch to some degree. Uh, you're going to have to make a decision on what to do with the quarterback contract. But, but all of this trench stuff, the Dolphins, I think, do have the opportunity to depending on what happens with, say, Teron Armstead, who left open the idea of retirement when he spoke to the media in, in their exit interviews. And that one's really important because the way that, that retirement works, there's no designation for uh, retired players as far as the salary cap purposes go. And the Dolphins restructured Teron's Armstead la Teron Armstead's contract last year. But... When you look on the salary cap resources, uh, you look specifically at you know the the figure if you were to cut a player pre and post June first, and Teron's a little tricky with the interpretation of that because he currently has five million dollars of his salary for 2024 that's guaranteed. So if you look at cut Teron Armstead, it reflects a five million dollar fully guaranteed salary, and the rest of his salary guarantees on March 19th. But if you retire, you don't correct, collect that salary. So as long as there's no lump sum that's due before the start of the season, Miami theoretically will only owe him the three years of prorated money from his money that's already been paid out with his signing bonus and his, his salary last year, uh, which adds up to about $19 million in uh, cap space that needs to be allocated. If Teron Armstead were to file his retirement after June 1st, then you are theoretically getting into uh, being able to distribute and treat it like a post-June 1st cut, which means you'd, you'd have $6.3 million in dead cap this year versus a $20 million dead cap hit that he's on, or cap hit that he's on the books for if he plays. You're talking about opening up about $14 million in cap space if Teron Armstead retires. And Teron, you know, to his credit, he played for the Dolphins down the stretch, but he also played less than 50% of the snaps this season. If you get the development of the Teron Armstead retirement, and the Dolphins are able to do whatever finagling and fund money is required from a salary cap purpose to ensure we're going to take a cap hit this year in dead cap, and then we'll take a cap hit again next year with the remaining void, voided dollars that he's leaving behind, you're saving about $13 million this year, and you'd save about $8 million next year. You take that, now I don't think you quite have the numbers crunch as it pertains to Wilkins probably being a 24-plus million-dollar year player and Connor Williams looking for the top of the center market, that's $12, $13 million. 
And if Teron Armstead goes, I, I'm absolutely advocating the return of Connor Williams uh, because he played really high quality football when he was on the field, and he's largely not had injury issues during his time in the NFL. He just so happened to have it in the same year in which everybody on the Dolphins, aside of the quarterback, had injury issues. <laughs> uh, so uh, the contract talks with Wilkins and Williams – Little non-committal, little public posturing, not putting out any level of desperation. Uh, he was asked about Tua Tungvalu as well, Chris Greer. Last offseason, you guys didn't have contract talks with Tungvaloa. You said that you'd see how the season played out. Is it your intention and your desire to strike out a long-term deal with Tua this offseason? It's a question. Uh, Chris Greer says, we've had conversations. Like we said, we wouldn't talk through the season in terms of contract, but we've stayed in touch with his agents and have had good conversations throughout the year. We never talked about money or anything, just good conversations about where he is in the relationship with Mike McDaniel and the team and everything that he's done. So the goal is to have him here long-term playing at a high level. That's always the goal, and we'll continue to communicate with him through the offseason here. Like we've said in the past, you guys know me, we don't really talk in the media through all that stuff, so we'll just keep those talks internal with his reps. He was asked about the average uh, market of new quarterback contracts being uh, about $50 million a year. and. Uh, they were very quick. Mike McDaniel made a joke. Is are they representing Tua? Uh, so they they were quick to kind of gloss over uh, the dollar amount as well. I, I certainly think that's a, a dollar range for Tua Tungvaloa that um, would be very ambitious in, in my mind uh, as far as contracts go. I think there's a middle ground if you are to strike out a deal with your quarterback to continue on the pathway that you're on and stay committed to trying to build upon what you have, but not just paying out the next highest Marcus contract just because you're the next guy to sign a deal. I, I don't think that's necessarily where this team should go. Um, but Chris Greer does say uh, it is our goal to have him playing long-term at a high level here. That's always the goal, um, which makes sense because he's the one you have, and the Dolphins did not do a very good job early into his career with loving the one they're with. Um, but we would also be lying to to be a little concerned about the way the season ended for the Dolphins. And, and it's our job to compartmentalize, to try to compartmentalize and filter through everything and determine how much of this was on the coach, how much of this was on the quarterback, how much of this was on the injuries, how much of this was on the other personnel. And we have a lot of work to do in that regard. And those are things that you have to do before you make the kind of decision that the Dolphins are going to potentially make with a contract extension and figuring out what dollars make sense, pun intended, I guess, for all parties. We're going to continue here, uh, talk a little bit about the perspective of the 2023 season. Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer both asked about that, that next year on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. It's the start of the new year, and... Every small business owner is asking themselves a singular question. What's the one move I can make that will take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn is not just another job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats, they may not have the time or resources they'd ideally like for the hiring process. 
Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Chris Greer's next question. How successful would you say the season was, even though it ended in the wildcard round? Because that's obviously everybody uh, kind of at the beginning of the season talking about expectations for the team and alluding to uh, divisional title, wild card or playoff win. Haven't had one in so long. Those have to be the defining factors of a successful campaign for the Dolphins. They, of course, go 11 and six. Or they lose their final two regular season games and then they lose on the road in the playoffs. And if you didn't hear, uh, I thought Daniel Jeremiah had a really on point observation about the Dolphins and their um, pathway to success. Uh, and I'll just paraphrase it real quick. Uh, but he did say Daniel Jeremiah moved the sticks, of course, with NFL Network. He's outstanding football mind, former scout. Uh, that the Dolphins uh, are a team more so than most other teams. Their margin for error uh, for where they play their playoff games is smaller because their identity as an offense right now is as a precision passing offense. Now, and he said their their season effectively ended, even if though it technically didn't end, when they lost in Week 18 at home, which I think is true. Uh, I think all expectations went out the window when that game was decided in the way that that it was. Anyway, Chris Greer asked, uh, "Would you say the season is how successful? Would you say the season was, even though it ended in the wild card round?" Chris Greer's answer was as such. It's always a bit of a trick question because the goal is always to win the AFC East, then win a playoff game, then win the Super Bowl. We fell short of those goals, I would say, in year two of what Mike McDaniel and his staff has done, especially not making excuses through the injuries that we had with 12 or 13 offensive line combinations, losing all the pass rushers, outside linebackers, running backs banged up here and there. They did a fantastic job working through that. Our players deserve a lot of credit. I mean, they battled their re-rends off, I'm paraphrasing through everything and working and just buying into what the coaches are preparing. Last week, we probably had the oldest outside linebacker group in the history of football playing out there. There were a lot of successes. A lot of things we're happy about, but at the end of the day, you know what our goals are and we'll keep working to achieve those, which I think is the, it's the proper perspective. Uh, I think there's a lot of, and I'm planning on doing this as, as a show this week. Uh, the answers that you had the questions that you had answered for better or for worse this season. And there's a lot of answers that you had that were for the better. Uh, but the raw outcome at the end of the year was still disappointing. It's kind of that difference between success and successful. If you want to just boil it down to a binary yes or no success, if you fell short of your goals, then the answer is no. But I think there's a number of different ways in which this season was a successful campaign for Miami. Chris Greer kind of echoing that sentiment himself. Uh, Mike McDaniel asked about this 2023 season and how much this offseason will you, Mike McDaniel, spend studying why you were 10 and 1 against non winning teams and 1 and 6 against playoff teams? And Mike said, a fair amount. I think we talk all season about progressing to be your best, and we weren't. I talk about a narrative as a narrative, assuming you're getting better, learning from it. When you ultimately fall short, then you have to look at it between the eyes and look at where we had successes and where we had failures and not really harbor any defensive mechanism. 
because it's the bottom line. So you are what your record says you are. We feel good about our process, but everything has to really be really evaluated. First and foremost are the shortcomings. You have to look at what you do well, but it's always the last thing on your mind is the offseason. So you have to go through the transcripts. When we're having this press conference a year ago, we weren't necessarily talking about pre-snap penalties, I don't think. For me, I knew they were an issue. But then you take a step back, you critically assess everything, you see how much of a hindrance it was on our overall productivity, and you make it an emphasis. You get what you emphasize. So then it's supremely important we look at everything, not assume it's correlation or causation, look at everything flatlined, and find the ways you can get better. That's what I think players sign up for and organizations depend on. Okay, so yeah, looking at everything. I know he was asked about uh, play calling. He was asked about his coaching staff. I was kind of dismissive of any any changes. Um, we're still grieving through the process collectively as a coaching staff. The main thing that I'm trying to do is make sure I maintain and communicate with the players as they go through their exit interviews between 50 and 70 guys I have to meet with. Then we'll get together as a coaching staff and kind of undress the season in a painful but productive way. I think that's what all healthy staffs do regardless of success or failure. So there, there is kind of this whole robustness of self-scouting at the end of the road. And Miami is, is really just beginning to kick off and inspect and um for the dolphins they'll they'll come up with their own answers and we're going to try our best at least here on the show to kind of run parallel to that and explore some of those storylines and objectives for ourselves as well the last thing in this group was chris greer and i think this was a good one for for dolphins fans to hear uh, whether you want to hear it or not, I know there's some people that it doesn't matter what Chris Greer does. Uh, you, you've had enough of Chris Greer, and that's fine. Um, I'll do my best to uh, present the facts and then present my opinion based on trying to educate myself as best as I can individually. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. Well, healthy discourse is fun. Healthy discourse is healthy. <laughs> um, Chris, after making the playoffs the last two years, the losses have amounted to where you guys have the longest playoff win drought after the Lions win this weekend. What would your message to the fans be that you're a little closer to a win than the last 20 years? Uh, Chris Greer, first of all, congratulates Detroit, Dan Campbell, uh, Brad Holmes, gave them a shout out. But for us, we're going to keep grinding, chopping wood. We have a good roster. We know that we'll keep adding and the team will look different. As we know every year, and this is this is why I wanted to read this because I think this is especially pertinent. It's one of those things that you hear that's actually tangible and meaningful insight to the team. As we know every year, 30 to 40% or more of rosters change annually. But we'll find ways to have good players here and be competitive. We are very excited about our core nucleus of players. We will be competitive. The goal is to win the AFC East, win a playoff game, and ultimately a Super Bowl. That's the goal of all 32 teams. And it's no different for us. So the perspective being, and I think when you do your off-season projections and you're trying to formulate what this is going to look like, it's healthy to remember 30 to 40% of your roster will be different annually in the NFL, sometimes more. For Miami, I think you look at a lot of the expiring contracts. I think you'll selectively prioritize who's back. And of those players, based on how they've allocated big dollars elsewhere, I think for flexibility's sake, you'll probably see a lot of one-year contracts. 
and the players that they sign in free agency right now is the complementary players and peripheral players on both sides of the ball are probably going to be one-year contracts so that you can maintain that flexibility year over year. And then if you get a guy in-house and you fall in love with him, you can give him a contract extension. But uh, I think that that's it, it really hit home for me because we keep talking about the, the expiring contracts, and obviously everybody knows Connor Williams and Christian Wilkins and Rob Hunt uh, and Raekwon Davis, a defensive tackle, that whole room aside of Zach Sealer expiring contracts right now. Uh, there's players that are under contract that are not going to be here, but it's Toronto Armstead via retirement potentially, or Xavier Howard as a post-June first cut, or Emmanuel Agba for a cap savings maneuver. Like all that stuff's on the table. All of that stuff is stuff to be mindful of. I think about guys like Jeff Wilson and Mike White, who have pretty decent sized salaries, who didn't play. Like I, all of that's under the microscope, all that stuff's on the table and just be mentally prepared for the amount of turnover that is normal turnover in the NFL. Cause it's, it's going to come. But as long as your nucleus is tied in and you can find the right complementary players, and then you can find some successes in the draft and, that's something the Dolphins are looking at having a, a bigger role of their offseason as right now in the past few years, although they were asked about that. We'll, we'll leave that for changes coming or not. It's a perfect segue for us to get into uh, our final segment here on Locked on Dolphins, so stick with us. The NFL postseason is well underway, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is super easy to use. There's so many different ways to play, like the same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab, and you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet a layup with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Uh. I know we all use sports as kind of our escape from some of the crazy realities of real life. But if we could just talk for a minute about prepping for real life, according to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade, which is scary stuff. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than a supply chain issue, keeping one of you, your loved ones, my loved ones from the life-saving medication that they need. Thankfully, will be okay because of Jace Medical. Jace Case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, and others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. Be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been be, never been more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com and use offer code Locked On to get $20 off your first order. Uh, Chris Grew asked, uh, Mike McDaniel joked about not, can't wait to have a first round pick next year for the first time around the NFL draft last year. Do you guys still plan on using that pick? And how are you, are you definitely going to have a first round pick this year? How important is it now that you have a full draft to make the most of it? Chris Grew laughed. <laughs> can't promise anything, but we'll see. 
We've had a couple draft meetings with the scouts, and they're coming back in February, and we'll hit that hard before we go to Indianapolis for the NFL scouting combine. But also, if there's an opportunity that we feel can help our roster and make sense, and most of the guys we've traded for have been in that in an age bracket too, that makes sense for us to do that if you're going to move a pick like that. So we're always open to listening if people want to contact us as well. I know he wants a first-round pick. Bad. Good for you, Chris. Leave that door open, baby. <laughs> the Dolphins, of course, last two years, their first-round picks have gone to Bradley Chubb. Uh, first-round pick has gone to Roger Goodell uh, for the tampering charges against the Dolphins. Uh, it was a part of their two first-round picks they were supposed to have for the 2023 NFL Draft. And then, of course, the 2022 first-round pick went to the Kansas City Chiefs for Tyreek Hill. So you look at the production of the, the players that you've moved. They've been players in their mid to late 20s that are getting big contracts. And those players have come in and performed at the level of first-round picks. Now, you've accelerated their, their those big contracts. And that's been something that, as we look at this Dolphins team, you do acknowledge the need to find more rookie contract talent to help stabilize your unit year over year and the forecast of the stability of the nucleus of the team, it's important. And uh, what they end up doing with that pick, we will wait and see. They're currently scheduled to pick 21st in the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, that's a good spot. You've seen teams in the past come up from a pick in the late 20s, getting into the top 10 to make a splash. Uh, you've seen teams in the, the early 20s move out of the first round altogether and toll more draft capital. You've seen teams select all pro caliber players in the early 20s. So like there's going to be a number of different avenues that this team can explore. Um, Mike McDaniel was asked about coaching staff changes. Uh, he said, you know, very happy with the way our coaching staff responded to the various things that happened during the year. Uh, we ended the season with losses, knowing how they invested in their players and tried to give them their best chance. That's what I was left with. And I've just been inundated with trying to connect with as a head coach, you're talking to guys every day, but you don't get those extended conversations. That's entirely just about them and where their game is at. It's kind of what I've been inundated with besides having a staff meeting. I haven't really talked to or thought about the coaches to be honest. I'm sure there will be some changes. I think Danny Crossman, uh, as a coach who was kind of on a hot seat last offseason and brought back, and the excuse was with the injuries, uh, the special teams unit suffered because primary special teams players were playing offense or defense. And that was true. But the transition from, and this is kind of keying up another content idea that I want to do, which is personnel move wins and losses. Thomas Morstead to Jake Bailey was as big of a downgrade as this roster experience on either side of the ball, all three phases. You took a big regression with your kicking game. And you again kicked to opponents. You had Marvin Mims run a kickoff back for a touchdown. You had Baltimore run a big kickoff back. Uh, you had the punt return against Buffalo week 18. That was a backbreaking play that took all of the momentum out of the stadium and tied the game in the fourth quarter, and you led by a touchdown trying to win the division. And granted, there's context there. Cam Good blows his knee out on the play, in the hole. That's not Danny Crossman's fault. But if I think if you look at the overall performance of the special teams unit for two years now, uh, that's a move I am not surprised if it's made. 
I think there's probably some assistance uh, that may be changed and churned as well. You had some big hits, but I think Butch Berry, you know, there, there's in the post-op of the season, you sit down and you look at the offensive line performance and you look at the offensive performance down the stretch and you acknowledge that it it, it really could have been better and you, you were still ultimately limited in the wrong kinds of ways. And I acknowledge that too, but when your third highest snap taker on your offensive line is Lester Cotton, and respectfully, he's the worst offensive lineman on the roster. And he takes the sixth most snaps of any offensive lineman or any, not any offensive lineman, of any offensive player on the season. Lester Cotton took over 600 snaps of offensive play this year. And I know they had their own evaluations of the players and, and Rob Jones was injured for a stretch as well. But of the players on the 53, Lester Cotton was the least attractive player to be in the starting lineup week over week over week over week. And he played over 600 snaps this year. You only had two offensive linemen take over 700 snaps, Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg. Liam Eikenberg started the year as a non-starter. So your second and third highest snap takers on your offensive line were Liam Eikenberg and Lester Cotton. So when you get down to the nitty-gritty and you're looking at why you're limited offensively and why you don't necessarily have the successes that you have, it's probably the fact that Austin Jackson took 989 snaps, Liam Eikenberg took 815 snaps, Lester Cotton took 616, Kendall Lamb took 613, Robert Hunt took 547, Robert Hunt did not crack 50% of the snaps this year, Tron Armstead took 524 snaps this year, that's 47% of the snaps, Connor Williams took 497 snaps, that's 45% of the snaps offensively, then you do get Rob Jones back, he takes 418 snaps, that's 38% of the snaps, Isaiah Wynn takes 35% of the snaps, 392, it's like... Y'all got six different guys playing at least between 35 and 60% of the snaps on your interior offensive line throughout the entire year. You foil that versus some other offensive lines. Tampa Bay, I mean, just Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay ends up finishing the season, I think four offensive linemen over 1,100 snaps. The Denver Broncos had four offensive linemen over over a thousand snaps, and their their fifth had nine hundred and fifteen snaps. Buffalo Bills, I don't think they had a starter miss a game all season long. So you look at these teams. Kansas City Chiefs had four offensive linemen in their top five snap takers offensively, all over thousand snaps. And you, you contrast that, and if you want to point the finger to Chris Greer, you want to point the finger to bad luck, you want to point the finger to the players, like, I don't care where you want to point the fingers. Those are the facts. And as I'm trying to work through all of the information to properly compartmentalize all the factors at play and how it gets better, that weighs heavy on my mind. You didn't have the continuity you needed up front to get better running the ball, particularly on the interior. Because at least you had Kendall Lamb as a stable player taking 613 snaps. He and Toronto Armstead combined, and then Austin Jackson. You were somewhat stable at tackle. You had no stability in the interior offensive line. So how much of that is guys you bring back? How much of that is guys you flush out? These are the kinds of questions when you talk about changes coming. We need to explore. And we will here on Locked on Dolphins. Hope you guys enjoyed this discussion on the uh, press the exit press conference for Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel. That is going to do it for us here today on this episode 
of Locked on Dolphins. Make it a great rest of your day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. For now, we're out of here. Fins up. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.